0: Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Good morning, church. So good to see you. You can have your seat. You can take a seat, whatever seat you like. Yeah. Well, how good was praise and worship this morning? Oh, come on, let's thank the team. Hey, say, hey. Michelle who is that people like. Oh, I feel. I feel like we just go home now. You don't even need to hear me. That's all I needed, I don't know about you, but I love worship, I love praising, it does something, doesn't it? It just shifts everything in your life. You you could be down, you could be sad, you could be echoing right now, but it's all good. (laughs) Um, And it just makes everything better, doesn't it? Well, church, I have the privilege of bringing the word this morning, which um, I... Consider it a privilege. I consider it an honor. I don't ever take this lightly. I always pray, um, you know, on the word that God wants to bring to our people uh, today, not yesterday, not tomorrow, but today. Amen. So why don't we pray? I think that's a good idea. Lord, I thank you right now. Lord, I thank you that you are here. I thank you that you are in our midst. Father, I pray that as I speak your word, the word that you've placed inside my heart, Father, I pray it will encourage our people. It will up- uplift our people today. Lord, that it can take something away. Lord, that they can shift something in their life. Lord, to see a greater future, a greater light, and what they want for their lives. Lord God, Holy Spirit, have your way this morning through this message. Lord God, touch hearts right now. Lord God, we feel your presence. We feel, feel your touch Lord God, and we don't take for granted you in our lives. We don't take for granted what you have blessed us with. Lord, we honour you in this place today. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for that beautiful word, Nushi. That was awesome. You're on fire. Isn't it amazing how, well, not amazing, but, you know, when you are going through tough times, you're going through the valley, um, you know, you can either shrink back or you can press through. And that's a a testament, that's a couple who are choosing to keep pushing through, to keep showing up no matter what. And church, I'm proud of you for showing up today. You're here. And um, you showed up because you're like, I need to be here today. So thank you for being here today and I know you're going to be blessed by this word. And as I was praying, you know, I always pray into God, bring a word, bring a word for your people. And I really feel this word that God's given me today to share is um, I felt the Lord say, I want to reignite a passion in my people for the importance of the house of God. Because I believe over the years it has got lost and it's actually died in, uh, you know, that the passion for being in the, the house of God, the passion in choosing to turn up has actually died in the church worldwide because of life because of circumstances and especially in the last couple of years what what has been i really feel the enemy has used that to take people out and i want to stand here today and preach a word and and speak and prophesy and fight for people to come back into the house of god amen because we can take it for granted but who knows that this is the house of miracles this is god's house And I was going to share this scripture later, but I'm going to share this scripture because it's prophesied in Isaiah. And in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above the other hills and the people from all over the world will stream there to worship. Amen. Right back in the Old Testament, Isaiah prophesied this scripture in the last days, that people are going to flood into the house of God. And church, let's believe that. Let's believe because I don't know about you, but the house of God has built my life. The house of God. I am a product of being in the house of God. I've been blessed, being brought up into the house of God. My parents took me to the house of God. But I, as I got older, I chose to be in the house of God. Amen. And I just want to share just opening uh, my story of, of, of growing up in the house of God. So from a young age, uh, my parents, you know, that they just decided that's what, what we do. We go to church. And so we went to a Baptist church, Avalon Baptist Church in Sydney on the Northern Beaches, and we went every week. I can so vividly see it that we had, there was purple carpet and uh, purple velvet offering bags that got passed around. And... Um, we just went every Sunday. And as a kid, that's what we did, if I liked it or not. I remember as I got a little bit older, I used to sort of make a few excuses like, Mum, I feel a little bit ill today, so I don't want to come. But I still went because that's what we did as a family. Then our family uh, moved uh, out of Sydney up to uh, the northern New South Wales to a, a little country town called Clunes. I don't know if you know that area between Bangalore and Lismore. It's near Byron Bay. And we moved up there. My parents uh, wanted to semi-retire. Beautiful country place. Uh, But again, my mum was like, we need to find a church because that's what we do as a family. And I remember going and visiting a few different churches in Clunes, but it's a small little country town, so there wasn't many options. You know, there was an Anglican church, a Uniting church, uh, Presbyterian. I remember uh, one particular Sunday as we were checking out churches, uh, the pastor was doing communion and all I remember is a 12 year old girl as we're doing communion has a, had a big loaf of bread that he was breaking to pass around to the congregation and he had a cup of wine and he just kept drinking the wine he was keeping it to himself and I thought oh that's interesting anyway I'll leave that there <laughs> so a little bit later on obviously you know the church is just in our local area it didn't sit right for my mum and my dad and and so somehow Mum found out about a church in Austinville, which was about thirty-four to forty minutes away. And I just want to salute any of you that travel far for church. I know some of our people that travel forty minutes, even an hour. You know what? God bless you. You have chosen, no matter how far, it, it, how long it takes you to be to get to church, you come. Amen. So anyway, we found this church in Austinville. It was a Baptist church. Uh, I was more of a, a lively, charismatic Baptist church, different to what, what we grew up with in Sydney. It was more traditional. And I remember walking in as a 12-year-old girl and there was a band and everyone was clapping and they were happy and they were joyful. And I thought it was strange. Isn't that funny? As a 12-year-old girl, I thought, why are these people so happy? <laughs> but church needs to be happy. It needs to be joyful. But it was because we weren't used to that. And mom just knew this is where we're meant to be. This is where we I need to bring our family each and every week. So that was that was the church that my parents cho- uh, chose to go to uh, as we relocated to that area. And again, I just went along because that's what we did as a family. I gave my life to the Lord at the age of 15. I got water baptised at 15. I made that decision because God was moving on my life. You know, I, I, there was an impact that was happening Then when I finished high school, our family decided to move back to Sydney because my older brother had moved back two years prior. And again, my mum was like, we need to find a church. Well, why don't we check out the church that Andrew, my older brother, has been going to? And that church was called back then uh, over 27 years ago, I think I'm right, it was called Christian City Church Brookvale, which is now C3 Church. Global and I remember walking into the doors of this massive warehouse. There were thousands and thousands of people, I think, maybe five, 6,000 people, and that's where my brother had chosen to go to church because that's what he wanted for his life. And I was at that stage of life where I, I could choose. I mean, mum never forced us or made us go to church, but I was an obedient child. I'm like, well, that's just what we do. I wasn't rebellious. I just did what I was told. Um, So, but I was at a stage in my life where I had a true encounter with God, even though back at at the age of 15, I asked Christ into my life. I knew him, but I didn't really know him. And I remember there was a defining moment in my life where I said, God, I want you not to just be my saviour, but to be my Lord. And that day in 1995, and I think it was February of 1995 before I met this handsome young guy down here, I made a decision for myself that I choose the house of God. I want the house of God in my life all the days of my life. Amen? Amen. And as I said before, the house of God has built me. It's been the foundation for my life over the last 27 years. And, you know, the friendships, uh, that uh, I've made in the house of God have built me. The leaders in the house of God have built me. The messages that I've heard in the house of God have built me. The altar call experiences where God, have, have your way, have built me. And I, but I have chosen church and I keep choosing today the house of God because, you know, God, I know that life gets busy and I could choose elsewhere. But God, I want you in my life and I know that this is a place that you're going to continually build my life. And I'm a product of being in the house of God. You know, not perfect, lots of flaws, but our marriage is a product of being in the house of God. Um, My parenting is a product of being in the house of God. My kids are a product of being in the house of God. And me as a person choosing, you know, the fruit of my life is a product of being and choosing to be in the house of God. Amen? You know what? I want to encourage you today, keep choosing. Keep choosing, church. Keep choosing him and keep choosing the house of God. What you give is what you get. Or another way of putting that is what you invest, what you sow into is what you receive back. So you invest a little you'll get a little. You give a little, you get a little. A little. I was thinking about relationships, like your, your marriage or any relationship you're in, you invest a lot, you'll get a lot. You invest a little, you'll get a little. You know what I'm talking about. You know, it's like put the hard work in and you'll get the results. Yeah. It's like anything in life. It's what we put in, we will get back. And who knows, church, that... In life, in all our relationships, we'll get offended. We'll get disappointed. I'm sorry to say, and I'll, I'll say it sorry beforehand, I might offend you. I might disappoint you, but I don't mean to. You might disappoint me. You might offend me, but you don't mean to. And that's where, church, we're called to show grace. Yeah. We're, cho- uh, we're, we're called to show forgiveness every day of our lives in every relationship. We're called to love, but you know what we're called to? We're called to be a family. And what's a family? A family sticks together and is in it together. You think about your own family, right? I think about my family, my husband and my three kids. We're a family every day. We might disappoint each other, we might offend each other, but we have to choose to show grace. Amen. We have to choose no matter what to show forgiveness because we're a family. And if I think every day I'm going to get offended I'll, and I'll just leave, well, that's not good, is it? We have to choose. We have a choice, don't we? You know, I think just in general that us as human beings, we can have such a high expectation on Christians, on the church, on pastors, on leaders, on each other, but I want to say today, don't. I remember having this conversation with one of my kids, and you know, it's talking about life and relationships. And you know, sometimes we can set the bar so high, we can have such a high expectation, but who knows, we're always going to get disappointed. And so we need to lower that expectation and allow God to help us in those moments. So we don't get so disappointed and it takes us out. Who knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. I remember many, many years ago um, uh, back uh, at our old church, we were pastors, leaders, Christian was on staff, and there was a moment that happened, and, uh, and, which is a good thing. I actually have erased most of it, which is, a, which is a great thing because that's what God calls us to do. When we forgive and let go, he says erase what's happened because that will only hold you back. But I just remember this moment. There was something that happened with our senior leadership, our oversight, and it was towards us. There were some accusations and things that were said about us which weren't true, and some meetings and conversations happened. And I remember that I got so highly offended. And I am not easily offended, church. I choose to not be offended. And can I encourage you today, make that choice. I live an unoffendable life. Amen? I remember in this moment I got so offended, I was so flippant ticked off, I was angry, I was like, every emotion under the sun, and I thought, how dare they, you know, we've all been there, haven't we? Anyway, and uh, we as pastors and Christian Heels on staff, we had to uh, sit on the front row, right? So it was full, this is our church, thousands and thousands of people, and I was... I had built up such an attitude, I was so upset and disappointed. I'm like, Christian, I'm not sitting down the front. And I had an excuse because I had little kids. So I'm like, I'll be in the parents' room. I'll just hover up the back. I didn't want to go down the front. I didn't want to see these people. I didn't want to be near these people. It had poisoned me so much, church. I held on to this for about a month. But who knows that it's not going to affect them. It's only going to affect me. And I felt God challenge me and he said, you can't control how you behave, how they behave, but you can control how you behave. So what do you choose? And in that moment, church, I needed to choose to change my attitude that I had built up and go, I forgive, I let go, because this is only holding me back. Amen? You know, I was thinking about... Um, uh a story well a moment in my life when I was about 15 and we went to um, we went to Buckingham, how do you say that yeah the palace, you know where the, all the royals live. And um, all the royals live there's a few palaces that they live in. <laughs> anyway and they uh, I remember standing there and there was like guards, right. There's these guards and there was multiple guards and they're standing there and who knows they're there to guard the palace. They're on watch, right? I'm just going to leave that there and I'm going to go to this scripture. Romans 12, 16 to 21, I say to you, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honourable. Do all that you can live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take uh, revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will... um, Uh, Sorry, you will um, heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Now, when I read that scripture, that is a challenging scripture, isn't it, church? Oh, my goodness. But that's what the Word of God says. The Word of God says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. We have to let things go. The devil's agenda is to divide, isn't it? And we've seen that so plainly over the last couple of years. The devil's agenda is to tear apart, but we have to be on watch. Just like it says in 1 Peter 5, 8 to 9, be sober, be vigilant, be on watch because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he shall devour. We need to resist him, church. We need to be steadfast in our faith. We are called to be on watch like those guards over the royal palaces in London. Mm -hmm. And I remember as a 15-year-old girl thinking, wow, this is really interesting. But I was reminded of that moment in that trip when I was um, with my family. And these these guards, they have a job to do. Their job is to protect the palace. Their job is to protect the people in the palace. Their job is to guard that no riffraff happens and people jump over the fences and go crazy and you know light the palace on fire. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But I believe as I believe that us as believers, we need to be on watch continually, <clears throat> and we need to be on watch for the house of God. Yeah. Yeah. And that calls us. To be on watch to protect, to uphold, to fight, and to speak well of the house of God. And also to do this for each other. To be on watch, to protect each other, to fight for each other, to uphold each other, to speak well of each other no matter what. Amen. And I remember standing there watching these guards and little did I know they were about to have a little ceremony. It's called Changing of the Guards. And it happens quite regularly. And uh, I watched this ceremony happen and they do it every time. Every time the guards change, they have this little ceremony. It's quite incredible. But like the Changing of the Guards Church, I believe we need to stand in the gap for each other. As we get tired, just like the guards, as they uh, fulfilled their duty for the amount of hours that they were to guard the palace, to be on watch for the palace, right? They got tired, so it was time to change the guards. The next lot of guards came in because it was their turn to be on watch because they needed to rest. Church, we need to be that for each other. We need to stand in the gap for each other. When we get tired, when we get weary, when we, we get discouraged, whatever way you can do that, by praying in go. practical ways, just being there, that's what we are called to do as a church and as a body of Christ. Amen? Amen. I believe that as a church we are family. Now we hear this all the time. Church should be a family. But you have to choose to be a part of the family. And it takes you investing into your family. Amen? Yeah. I believe that as a church, we are a team. We're called to be a team. And who knows that a team, you're in it together like an army. We're called to be an army, the army of Christ. Yeah. And it is such a privilege. And I was thinking about, you know, the movie Braveheart, And in that last scene, William Wallace, and he does that speech to his army and they're all standing there. I love that movie. And William Wallace says, tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. And they were an army together in that moment ready for battle, right? They were a team. They chose. Yes, they bickered. Yes, they maybe didn't agree on, you know, maybe what they were about to do or just they didn't always see eye to eye, but they chose to stick together because they knew they were better and stronger together to fight the battle that they were about to face. Yeah. Yeah. Church, we are called to be a family and we are called to be a team. And who knows that win or lose, we are a team. Yeah. A team trains together. Yep, yeah. a team does life together. And a team also plays together. Church, that's what we're called to do. Play together. Train together. Be equipped together. Encourage each other. Cheer each other on. Amen? Don't do it alone. Participate, not spectate. Be a team player. You know what I was thinking? It's meant to be fun. It's meant to be fun. I don't know about you, but I've always wanted to be in the action. So when I made that decision back 27 years ago when I was like, God, I choose the house of God for myself now, not just because that's how I was brought up. God, I want this place to build my life. Lord, you build my life. But I had to choose. And I made a decision. I can either just spectate or I can participate. God, I know you're building my life and he's built my life by choosing to be in the house of God. But then I got to a point where I said, God, now I want to help build. And church, I want to encourage you today, not to make you feel bad, but I want to say, don't just spectate. You have a part to play in the beautiful house of God. Not just me, not just a handful, but God has a calling upon your life. And it's not until you step out on the field, you don't know what's in you. If you're standing on the sidelines, You don't actually know what's in you. It's not until it's game time and you go, I'm in, I'm all in, I'm a part of the team through thick and thin, and then you know what's in you. And I know as you make a decision to go, God, I'm going to participate. I want to build the house of God. Some of you have probably been in other churches and, you know, different seasons of your life, but I want to encourage you today. This church is only going to grow and impact our community if all of us put our hand to the plough and yeah. say we are a team and you will be surprised what God does in your life yes. yeah. because I need you and you need me. Amen? Amen. 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 You know, I think about the last two years and the ripple effect that it has had through the lockdowns and the, you know, we don't need to reminisce and go back there. But I was thinking about how much church attendance has declined worldwide. People have got distracted. People have got busy. People have filled their lives up with so many other things. It's brought division. It's brought offence. But can I say today, church, is that okay? Can I be honest? It's not okay. It's not okay. We are called, church, and I'm willing to keep fighting to call people back into the house of God. I'm willing to pray that there will be a shift because as it is said and prophesied in Isaiah, in the last days, my church will be the most famous place on planet earth and you and I can be a part of that. Amen. The church is not, a benef- the church is not beneficial because it is the church. It is beneficial because we become immersed in a community of support, encouragement and ministry. Jesus may not demand that you attend church, but that does not mean he does not ask you to participate. You know, this week I, uh, I felt to ask a handful of people the question, why church? And that's the title of my message, Why Church? We had a little running joke the last couple of days. My husband keeps coming up to me going, why? Why? I'm like, go away. Stirring me. But I felt to ask a handful of people, what does church mean to you? And, you know, why you go to church and why do you think it's important? And I want to read these out to you. This really blessed me. The first one said, the question is not why church, but why not church? It is a part of the process of renewing, refreshing, wash, sanctify our minds from being corrupt by the things of this world. The next one said, Church is important to me because my children need godly input, not just from their parents but a community of believers. Church for us is essential. I have been in church since I was a young child and it's a priority and a privilege to honour God with my time and worship. Let's face it, it's hard to set aside time during the week to worship and praise. I also make church a priority so others coming into church can ask me questions and glean from my years of experience. I love being a strong pillar that others can lean on. I love that. The next one said, to hear the gospel, which is the power unto salvation, to worship Jesus our Lord, to gather together of the saints with like-minded people, to receive healing from the word and to pray with one another and to show love, which is the ultimate gift. The next one said, church forms the guiding post I need to not only nourish my spiritual journey but also to interpret God's word with people who know God and have a relationship with him on a regular basis. Without church, I am susceptible to worldly influences and um, and could interpret and apply God's word the wrong way. Church is also a community of like-minded people on the same level of a spiritual understanding that you can connect with at any time and do life together. The next one said church is important because it allows for faith, family, and fellowship to occur organically. and as intended by God, it's a place where people are fed spiritually, relationships are developed which help shape others and also have also where accountability to beliefs is established. God is corporately glorified and priori- priorities organized. And the last one said, Church keeps us accountable. We grow in our faith with like minded people, iron sharpens iron. We're encouraged to press in and encounter God and experience the presence of God. I love this. See how there's just a common thread there? You know, church is not just a good suggestion. It is God's will for every single believer yeah. and I believe that because it says that in the Word of God. The Bible says yes, yes to church. And I want to look now at what the Word of God says. Is that okay? Because I can share stories, I can share <coughs> people's thoughts, but who knows it's always good to go back to the Word of God because there's no grey area in the Word of God. And I think as Christians and believers over years and centuries, people have liked to slightly dissect it and pull it apart and go, "Oh well, I'll take that and I'll put that over there or put that behind." I'm like, I don't know if I believe that. And who knows? As soon as you do that, you step into undangerous, dangerous territory. The Word of God is the the spoken Word of God. It's breathed from heaven from Him, the Creator of the heavens and the earth. Amen. So in Hebrews 10 25, it says, We should not be giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, even back in the early church, some were forming into bad habits of not meeting with other believers. But Paul says that's not the way to go. That is dangerous territory. Soon as you stop pulling, as you, you start pulling back. You start, start uh, stepping into dangerous territory. Who knows what I'm talking about? And the approach of the end times should prompt us to be even more devoted to going to church. And who knows that we are living towards those times. We are living towards the end times. And that's where Isaiah 2, 2 says, it, my church, my, my, my temple will be raised up to be the highest of all and the most important place on this planet. And my people from all over the world will start streaming into the house of God to worship. Amen. Church is a place where believers can love one another, encourage one another. That's in Hebrews 3. Spur one another to love and to do good works, Hebrews 10. Serve one another, Galatians 5. Instruct one another, another Romans 15, honor one another. Romans 12, and be kind and compassionate to one another. Ephesians, you know, Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. Who believes that? Yeah. <clears throat> he is the rock, and it says it on the uh, you know on this rock, Peter. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And we are like a living stone church being built in a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Christ Jesus, 1 Peter 2, 5. And as the building materials of God's spiritual house, we naturally have a connection with one another and that connection is evident every time the church goes to church. Do you know Jesus frequently went to the temple? Now, he didn't actually have to. He was the only man who walked the planet, that had a relationship with his father that he actually didn't need to do that act, okay? So Jesus did not need a community of faith to meditate his relationship with his father because he was Jesus. But yet Jesus gathered a community around him. He lived his faith in, um, in the company of others. He attended worship at the temple. He lived it out. He chose because he wanted to demonstrate to his people, that's what I want you to do. This is the church. This is where you come together. You can live a life that's called with purpose. Amen. And, you know, modern society may beg us to believe the choice is ours. Yes, it is. Life's a choice. Whatever is put in front of us, we have a choice. But the biblical truth is clear about the house of God. And I want to just quickly go through three things that I believe are important about the house of God. Are you ready? Yeah, Number one, the importance of being in the house of God is to grow and to be around a supportive community. And like I read before in Hebrews 10, it says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more you will see the day approaching. You know, I I know for myself that as I have chosen to be in the house of God, and over the years that's when I have grown, I don't want, you've heard me say this before, I don't want to be the person I am today in 10 years' time. I want to keep growing into the woman of God that God has called me to be. Church, I want to see you continually grow. I want to see you continually equipped for what God has called you to do in your future. And that is where we come together and we grow together. We're supported by one another when we're tired, when we're weary, because our other friends and family in our church can lift our arms up high and say, I've got you, you can do this. You know, God has purposely placed us in a support system and how blessed we are. Like I look at my own life and I go, I have the greatest support network in my life. I don't feel alone. And church, if any of you are here today and you feel alone, you go, Melissa, I don't really have a great support network. Well, can I encourage you, reach out, start investing, take that first step because people won't necessarily know that you feel alone. Call out, cry out, and God will meet you where you are at and what you need. Amen? The second thing is, I believe the importance of being in the house of God is we gain maturity in our faith. It's like when we were a child. You think when you're a young child and you grow up, you mature. Life throws things at you. You learn, you grow, and you mature. And God calls us to be um, to grow in maturity in our faith. Amen? So what that takes is by showing up, pressing in. And as you do, you will keep growing. You'll keep maturing in your faith. Ephesians four eleven thirteen 13 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for words of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Amen. Church is a place where we hear the word of God spoken, to come to church, to experience the presence of God so that he can reveal life-applicable truth to his word in our lives. You know, I believe that the discipline of showing up, the the discipline of being here each and every week is an act of worship and sacrifice. I truly believe that, church. It's an act of worship and sacrifice to him and that's how we can honour him. You are honouring him today by being here. Yeah. You are honouring that you set your your Sunday morning apart to honour him and to show up. That blesses him. Yeah. That makes him happy. We set aside 90 minutes of our week to show up, to be in the house of God, and he loves that. You know, you're saying to yourself and to the world that assembling with God, uh, called out people of God, that the story of Christianity... <coughs> The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus matters, if you believe it, so much that you're willing to dedicate at least one day a week, and as James talks about, encourages us to be doers of the word, not just hearers. Who knows that many times we can hear, but we don't do. And by choosing, we're hearing, we're encouraged that as you do, you will grow, you will mature. That blesses him. And the third one is sustainability through all circumstances. I believe church gives us sustainability. It keeps us stable in our walk with Christ. I believe church will sustain you and and it will help you keep your life firmly planted. it, It talks about in the scriptures, Plant your feet in the house of God. Don't be tossed. Don't be swayed. Don't don't be, you know, tossed by the waves, what, what the world is presenting itself. But the church will sustain you. It will build your life. And in Matthew 16, as I said before, and I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Haiti will not overcome it. You know, who knows that Jesus never promised us an easy journey in life? He didn't. He said, you're going to go through adversary, you're going to go through things. But he always said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you alone to figure it out on your own. And I believe church provides a resource to connect with people who are going through exactly the same thing that you're going through. I go through exactly the same things that you go through. That might surprise you. I know that people might look at, you know, pastors and leaders over time and think, oh, they've got it all together. Sorry to disappoint you, but no. We are human too. We cry. We struggle. We have heartache. But we choose every day to be, every week, to be in the house of God and to serve him. You know, following Christ is not easy and going to church, I believe going to church provides a respite and a refueling needed to keep fighting the good fight of faith because who knows it is a fight. It is a challenge. But coming together, I know just even how we, just, we were worshipping and singing that song, So Will I. I'm like, yes, God, so will I. I can keep fighting the good fight of faith. I can keep walking through, I can keep overcoming the things that are thrown against me. And the challenging convictions to keep learning and growing in Jesus. We gather because God, we gather because the God we're worshiping encourages our gathering as the main way we mature and strengthen and comfort us. And church in closing. I was pondering over that beautiful psalm, Psalm 84. And this psalm Psalm talks about longing for the house of God. And I want to read this psalm over you in closing today. And I want to encourage you, let this psalm be your prayer. Some of you might have been like me, you were brought up in church. That's just what you were brought up, that's what we did. Some of you today might continually choose the house of God because that's just a religious act. Some of you sitting here today might have lost your passion and your enthusiasm for the house of God. But I believe today that as you surrender your life and your heart to him again today, that he will ignite you with a fresh passion for the house of God, for building the house of God for turning up each and every week because I guarantee you will see the beautiful fruit as you do because it will continually build your life. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet as I read Psalm 84. And church, we go through the motions. We go from Monday To Friday. We go to work, we run our families, we run our home, we do what we do. And then it comes to the weekend. And yes, Sunday, we have all decided we go to church. But I want to challenge you today don't just go to church, don't just come to church. Choose to come to church. Choose to show up with passion with excitement with expectation for what God's going to do each and every week in your life we live in one of the most beautiful places on planet earth I truly believe it and I just had this beautiful encouraging word from one, of, from one of my sister-in-laws just in this last couple of weeks she said Melissa I've been wanting to share this with you for a while and she said I know it's not easy running and building a church in the beautiful Noosa because there's surrounding distractions of the beauty of where we live because it's like, well, why do I need to go to church? Because there's distractions of a beautiful beach. Like when I was driving to church this morning, I drive that beach road and I'm looking going, it's flat, it's still. I want to be swimming in that ocean right now. <laughs> it was drawing me. but I didn't have my swimmers on. You know what I'm talking about. There's distractions. When you live in an inner city, there's not many beautiful distractions. It's like, okay, well, that's just where I need to be. But she said, Melissa, you guys are so suited for this area. Be encouraged that you were called to keep pulling and calling people out to live a better life not just to be satisfied with what they have and their surroundings, but to keep pursuing God, keep choosing him first. And church, I'm going to read this beautiful psalm. And as I do, let this wash over you. Let a new passion and an excitement and a love for the house of God and the things of God wash over you as I read this psalm, because this is what... The Lord desires for us. And as his psalm was written, the psalmist, that was their their heart's cry. They were praying this prayer to their Father in heaven. And I want you to pray this today as I read this over you. How I love your temple, Lord Almighty, and how I want to be there. I long to be in the Lord's temple. With my whole being, I sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrows have built a nest, and the swallows have their own home, they keep their young near their altars. Lord Almighty, my King, my God, how happy are those who live in your temple, always singing praise to him, to you. How happy are those whose strength comes from you. You are eager to make the, pil- the pilgrimage to the ma- sorry, <coughs> to Mount Zion. As they pass, through the dry valley of Baca. It becomes a place of springs. The autumn rain fills fills it, it with pools. They grow stronger as they go. They will see the God of gods on Zion. Verse 10. One day sent in your temple is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather stand at the gate of the house of God. Amen. Come on, why don't we thank the Lord? Come on. Every time you turn up, every time you choose the house of God, every time you press in, and every time you enter into the presence of God, as the scripture says, you will grow.